and welcome back to another episode of Emotions and Potions, a love slash hate letter to, with your hosts, Ashton and Alex. Welcome to episode two of season two. Hey, hey. In the new year, 2023. If only it was 2022 for like two, 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 all the twos. But thankfully that dumpster fire year is over. Actually, I can't say dumpster fire because we started in 2022. Yeah. But this is your favorite book podcast, Emotions and Potions. And we are coming to you with another romance, darker romance. Oh, definitely dark. Definitely dark. Yeah, this one was a lot. It was a ride. It was a ride. What ride are we going on today, Alex? We are going on the ride of Wretched by Emily McIntyre. And Wretched is a part of the Never After series. This is book three. And book four is about to come out. Or yeah. may already have just dropped by the time this episode goes live. And we also covered book two, Scarred, in season one. So if you haven't listened to that episode and you like this episode, very similar vibes. Yes. But this is a Wizard of Oz retelling, which I've never come across. No, I was very excited and nervous about how that was going to go. Because Emily does a really good job with her other two books in the series, which was Scarred, which is a Lion King, and then Hooked, which is like a Peter Pan, Hook, Mm -hmm. Wendy type of... And book four is going to be Twisted, which is going to be an Aladdin. Right. But like Emily does it really well, at least the prior two books to the in the series. I was very happy with her nods, with her writing. So I was really excited going into this book. Same. Nervous, but excited. Before we get into the synopsis of Wretched, we are going to obviously start with our content and trigger warnings. So in this romance novel, you'll, <laughs> you'll come across graphic sexual scenes, graphic violence, torture, murder, drug use, abusive slash neglectful parents, death of a sibling, and misogyny. Just some heads up. So if any of those severely bother you, don't read this book, don't listen to this episode. You've been warned. And if you're still with us, we're happy to have you. So shall we go into that back of the book synopsis? Yes, give it to me. From international best-selling author Emily McIntyre comes a dark and delicious fractured fairy tale reimagining of The Wizard of Oz. A woman can be great and terrible too. Evelina Westerly has always been the bad guy. As the brains, brawn, and botanist behind her family's drug empire, she's her father's ruthless secret weapon. With her days divided between perfecting her greenhouse, seeking revenge for her sister's murder, and putting a gun to the head of anyone in her way, Evelina doesn't have time for anything else, especially not for love. After a one-night stand with a gorgeous man at a nightclub, she sated her urges and is back to her criminal ways. That is, until the same man shows up as the new westerly lackey, under a totally different name. But Nicholas Woodworth's real secret is much more dangerous than an alias. He's an undercover DEA agent, and he's hell-bent on destroying the drug trade that devastated his family. When he realizes the youngest daughter of the westerly empire is the same woman he's been fantasizing about, since that night at the club, attraction wars violently with disgust. Evelina embodies everything he's against, and he's been sent here to be her downfall. Yet the more they learn about the darkness in each other's hearts, the more alike they seem. And when hatred turns to something more, Nicholas will have to decide whether he can love a wretched woman, even if it means bringing both of their lives to ruin. Wretched is a dark contemporary romance and the third complete standalone in the Never After series, a collection of fractured fairy tales inspired by our favorite villains. It is not fantasy and is not a retelling reader discretion and listener is advised for all content warnings check the author's website or listen to this podcast (laughs) wow that (laughs) synopsis hit everything it really did it yeah i mean you know that they hook up not knowing who they each other like is and then you know that they're gonna their paths are gonna cross and he's a dea agent and you know, she's everything that he hates, but he's super drawn to her. It almost gives too much away. I know. But there's still a lot that, with their kind of backstories that don't get touched on. Yeah. There are some plot stuff that... But it hits, like, the major really key does. components of the book. Yeah. All right. So before we do our plot breakdown, I think it's time for our potion. 
reveal, if you will. So Alex, what potion have you concocted today? So since this is a fractured fairy tale of Wizard of Oz, you know, Oz is the Emerald City. So I wanted something green. And green also gets hinted at in the book, you know, as nods to Wizard of Oz. So the potion is called Seeing Green. And it Mm. is some Jameson orange, some blue carousel, some Midori, orange juice, sour mix, shaken, put into a green cocktail glass. And then I garnished it with an orange wheel and some cherries. Yum. I told you before, I'm not a huge fan of green liquids, but this actually looks and sounds really yummy. So I'm excited to try this. Cheers. Oh, like that. Yay. Very tropical. Mm -hmm. And very green. Very green. (laughs) No doubt about that. Yummy. That's good, Alex. Very green, but tastes very orange. Yes. Yeah, it's a very weird sensory (laughs) thing because it is... It's green, but it is very orange. So, yeah, that's trippy. <laughs> but nonetheless, very good. I approve, per usual. This would be really good frozen. So shall we dive into Wretched by Emily McIntyre? I think we should. 17-year-old Evelina Westerly is attending the funeral for her oldest sister and mother figure, Nessa, who died by drowning after falling off of a boat. Their other sister, Dorothy, was also there for the incident, and Evie is convinced Dorothy is behind Nessa's death, as Dorothy has always hated Nessa. As the preacher calls for a eulogy to be given by Nessa's sister, Evie is ready to go up and speak, but gets cut off by Dorothy, who goes to give the speech instead, and is wearing Nessa's beloved sparkly high heels. This makes Evie's anger rise. She is mad at her father for being in jail, her mother for abandoning them, Nessa for getting killed, and Dorothy for being a bitch, and most of all, for killing Nessa. So yeah, we jump right into this. Yep. We kind of have all this family drama already. Seven years later, Evelina's father, Farrell Skip Westerly, has built up a drug ring that ties to the Irish mob in Kingland, Illinois, and DEA agent Nicholas Woodsworth is being tasked to go undercover and infiltrate the Westerly ring and find the supplier of the heroin drug, Flying Monkey. Love the nod. Yes. So many good ones. Nick joined the DEA as he hates drugs because he lost his mother due to drugs and his sister is also a recovering addict. The plan is for Nick to get into the inner circle by getting close to Farrell's favorite daughter, Dorothy, and seducing her if necessary. The DEA have already flipped one of Westerly's men, Ezekiel O'Connor, over to their side and he will be making Nick's introduction to the crime organization. So Evelina is out at a bar in Chicago dressed in disguise as she is on an assignment with her best friend and tech man, Cody. Nick is also at this bar with his friend and fellow DEA agent, Seth, for his last night in Chicago before he goes undercover for this assignment. Nick bumps into Evie at the bar, tries to buy her a drink, and then is very forward stating that he wants to fuck her. Literally. Evie excuses herself to the bathroom, to which Nick follows her, and they bang it out in the bar bathroom, Nick never getting Evie's name. When Evie leaves the bathroom, she completes her task by killing the bartender. Back in Kinlan, Dorothy and Ezekiel are preparing to meet with a potential new member of their outfit, rare jewel thief Brayden Walsh, a.k.a. Nicholas Woodsworth. Evie had no idea about this meeting, and Dorothy uses this opportunity to throw in Evie's face how she is their father's favorite and trusted. However, what Dorothy doesn't know is that while their father is the face of the operation, Evie is the brains, and she heads to the backbone of the operation, her greenhouse of poppies that makes the flying monkey. The meeting with Brayden goes well, and he becomes a new member of the crime of the crime outfit and now Evie's dad wants her to meet him and get her approval and if he doesn't pass she is to take care of it with death with death at the bar meet and greet Evie and Nick instantly recognize each other from the bar encounter thankfully Nick is able to recover by insisting that since Evie wouldn't give him her name why would he give her his real name This passes enough. He still gets to live. However, Evie warms him away and also has Cody do some digging and background checks to suss out Brayden's story. He gets the all clear, but not surprising with Brayden slash Nick working for the DEA. Nick starts working for the Westerly family as muscle and is staying in their home. So he and Evie constantly run into each other. 
With them not trusting the other, it makes for lots of hateful and sexual tension bands. Yeah, it does. One night at the Yellow Brick Strip Club, another great nod, owned by the Westerlies in the office, Brayden is slightly injured and Evie is there dealing with business stuff and she patches up his wound and almost cuts some lackey's testicles off with a letter opener for disrespecting her. Evie's a bit unhinged. A bit? I think she's very unhinged. (laughs) Skip, Evie's father, wants to get into business with the Italians, which would mean Evie needs to grow and produce more poppies. Evie cannot do this without compromising quality, which she won't do, and tells her father to call off the deal with the Italians, and he refuses. One of the Westerly's middlemen is shorting the family on money, so Evie and Brayden get sent to deal with him. Evie deals with him in a scary and badass way and gets the money she is owed. Seeing this dark side of her has Brayden slash Nick conflicted because he wants to save her but doesn't think she can be, but he is still insanely attracted to her at the same time. So a lot of conflicting emotions. When they go back to the yellow brick offices, this leads to them fighting and then fucking on the desk with money all over it. This sexual encounter is also caught on Brayden slash Nick's hidden camera for his case. Evie goes to visit her sister's grave and has a nice heart-to-heart with Ezekiel, who gives her a pep talk on staying true to herself. Meanwhile, Nicholas meets with his partner Seth on the status of the case and informs him about the drop that is going to be happening. Nick gets chewed out for fucking Evie and not being in the right mindset to get this assignment finished. The drop is not the typical drug deal. It is a weapons deal. And when the cops show, Skip has everything blown up and starts to get suspicious and paranoid that there is a rat in the gang. Back at Yellow Brick, time to suss out the rat. Liam accuses Brayden of being the rat and Evie vouches for him. Brayden tries to thank her for the save and seduce Evie to fuck her on the hood of her car, but she rejects him. At the Westerly Mansion, Dorothy gets jealous of Evie and Brayden's closeness slash flirting and tries to ruin things by making fun of her sister for writing love spells. However, Evie's spells are actually poetry and Brayden slash Nick is actually really into poetry. So Dorothy's sabotage plan turns into a weird bonding moment for them instead. This does lead to a mistake on Nick's part. He lets some of his real-life backstory about his mom and her issues out, which conflicts with his cover story about his mom dying of cancer. So it turns out that Killian, a drug dealer for the Westerlies, has been cutting the flying monkey with rat poison and making his own profits. When Evelina and Brayden are sent to deal with him, Killian lets it out that Liam was behind this plan. After Evie kills him, she informs Ezekiel they have their rat, Liam. Brayden, Nick, did not take Evie murdering Killian well. Just when he is about to come to his senses and inform his people about Evie's involvement, he notices Evie by herself and he goes to check on her. She winds up opening up to Brayden about her dream to go to Ireland. Why did I say that like a pirate? Ireland. (laughs) Ireland. (laughs) This conversation leads to them fucking and Brayden, Nick, quotes Shakespeare to Evie's pussy. Evie is starting to catch feelings for Brayden, which get dashed when, after their mutual climax, he states how he needs to go pick up Dorothy. Instant boner killer. Way to, like, throw wet, like, cold water on a moment. Yeah. (laughs) So it's time for a charity auction in Chicago on a boat where the Italian mafia and mayor of Kinlan will be in attendance, as well as the Westerly gang. It's been days since Nick has seen Evelina, and he's missing her. While in Chicago, he checks in with his team, and they once again put pressure on him about getting too close to the job. He also sneaks away to go check in on his sister, Rose, who he has been worried about. And Evie has been tailing him since finding out about Brayden's lying about his mother dying of cancer. Because, of course, she caught it. Yeah, she's really smart. While they have each other at gunpoint, Brayden, Nick admits to having a sister and her living at the apartment complex that he's currently at, to which Evie calls him out for this info not being in his file. This leads to more hateful and flirty bants and them fucking in the alleyway of the apartment complex, including some gunplay. They spend the night and morning together, and Nick opens up to Evie about his mother's drug addiction and how he got into poetry, which his mom gave him a book of poems. Evie and her dad continue to argue about getting into business with the Italians, and her sister, Nessa. Her father badmouths Nessa, and it makes it harder for Evie to keep her promise to Nessa about sticking around for the family. 
Nick is finally able to check in on his sister who's been staying at Seth's place. It's time for the charity gala on the water and the meeting with the Italians. They want the Westerlies to work for them and give them supplies of flying monkey. And the boss also takes a liking to Evie and wants her thrown into the deal as well. Of course he does. Evelina is not for this at all. But her opposition gets ignored by her father and the Westerlies are now in business with the Cantonellis. After the meeting, Evie is not only upset but shaken up about being on a boat. And not just any boat. The one where Nessa died on. As Nick is trying to calm and comfort Evie, Dorothy appears and is a bitch to Evie, ruining any sense of calm she was starting to have and to make matters worse, finally admits that she is the one who killed Nessa. What a dumb bitch. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's like, you know your sister's unhinged. Why would you do this? Because she thinks she's untouchable. Yeah. Thankfully, Nick gets Evie out of there before she can kill Dorothy and takes her home, but Evie definitely has vowed that she will be killing her sister. Once they make it back, Nick distracts Evelina by demanding to know that she is his, and they make love. Ooh. They don't just fuck. I mean, they fuck, but they also make love. (laughs) A little bit more loving. (laughs) After some... Not so loving. (laughs) After some nastiness. Skip visits Evie in her greenhouse and informs her that she is to teach Dorothy the ropes about flying monkey and the poppies. Evie refuses and gets bitch slapped by her dad for this and told off and threatened with death if she does not comply. This is the last straw for Evie and she begins to plot her way out of the family business. She goes to Cody and confesses she is the creator of Flying Monkey and enlists his help to shut down the lab and hack its security system. Back at the Westerly home, Evie confesses to Brayden she's in love with him and he doesn't say it back breaking Evie's heart. Brayden gets called away by Ezekiel and is on his way to meet him and he bumps into Dorothy who lets it out that she has to learn about Evie's poppies and she isn't happy about it. Like She's thrown this little bratty temper tantrum. So he now knows that Evie is the creator and supplier. Which is who he is sent to find and take down. (laughs) Yep. Which hits him big time because he is in love with her. But she creates and stands for something that he hates. After Brayden leaves, Evie follows him and she's upset and ready to confront him and demand to know how he feels about her. She follows him to a motel and Brayden, Nick, is meeting with Seth. The gig is up and Nick's cover has now been officially blown. Evie also learns that Ezekiel is an informant for Nick and therefore a traitor. There is a gun-drawn standoff between Evie, Nick, and Seth. The men allow Evie to leave and Nick officially chooses her internally (laughs) he does not say it out loud but in his mind he's like fuck i'd do anything for this girl after talking with his sister about what does love feel like and loving someone through their flaws nick is more sold on evie being the one for him and now it's time for him to fix the mess nick is ready to resign as a dea agent and when he goes to turn in his badge he meets fbi agent bomb who also has been building a case against the westerlies and the italians and has informants of the mayor and commissioner of Kinland. A heartbroken Evie is at her sister's grave, and Ezekiel approaches and apologizes, kind of, for turning rat. And surprisingly, Evie lets him go. But she's kind of like, if I ever see you again, I will kill you. Yeah. This is your chance to do you. But I don't ever want to see you again. Yeah. (laughs) Don't mistake her kindness for weakness. Evelina is ready to leave Kinland behind and get her revenge. While in the greenhouse with Dorothy, Evie plunges a syringe into her neck to knock her out for a bit. And when her father finally arrives later on, he finds Dorothy suspended over a vat of acid. Evie has her father sit and finally listen to her. While she is getting her final confrontation with her dad about his mistreatment, she is slowly lowering her sister Dorothy into the acid. And it's like peeling away her skin from and like eating the bones and, and it, obviously it just, she's screaming it's, and mm, it's gross it was a lot yeah ezekiel interrupts this oddly therapeutic moment for evie allowing skip her dad time to take um to like kind of like bum rush and tackle evie and start beating her thankfully our cowardly lion ezekiel kills skip and saves evie Evelina has been trying to get a hold of Cody for hours, and he finally shows up to her greenhouse 
where he winds up handcuffing her and telling her she has the right to remain silent. Turns out Cody is FBI agent Baum. He currently is alone, but backup will be arriving shortly. As Cody is having his monologue moment about how he got the assignment to take the Westerlies down, there's a gunshot, and it's Nick who has shot and killed Cody. Nick uncuffs Evie and tells her that he loves her and that she needs to run, and he'll take care of the situation. When the rest of the feds show up, it's just Nick and Cody's body. Nick does not get into trouble for the incident, but Evie is now a wanted fugitive, and Nick finally quits the DEA. Two months later, Evie is old news, but still wanted, and she's old news because the Cannellinis, the Italians, have been brought down. So now that's, you know, taken up the news cycle. Month three, Nick has taken up woodworking and has started his own furniture-making business. Month four, he hires a PI to try to find Evie. And one year later, the PI tracked Evie down and she's living in a small town off the coast of Ireland, just like she dreamed. Nick, after some push from Rose, his sister, goes to Ireland to see Evie, who is sitting on a cliff writing, and when they lock eyes, Nick knows he is home. And apparently all is forgiven. And at the epilogue, Nick shows up, and this is in Evie's point of view, and he introduces himself as Nicholas Woodworth and asks for Evie's name. She asks him for his words, and then she may let him stay. So he starts to recite poetry to her and tells Evie that he loves her every wretched piece. And they live happily ever after the end. The end. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and then there is an extended epilogue where you get like, you know, a nice little sexy moment yeah. a little bit later. Just like a little bit of fluff. Yeah. That we all love as a romance readers. Yeah, that was that was a journey. Emily took us on. Yeah, it was. Do we want to go into our favorite smut scenes? Hell yeah. Okay, so my favorite was the one where they bone after collecting the money. Oh, like and at like the office? In the office. And like, so yeah, Evie's arguing with Nick about him lying to her about his name. And he's thinking about how much he would like to choke the brat out of her. And then his hand goes to her neck. So real rough. His other arm sweeps the desk of cash and the money counter machine. And he slams his mouth to Evie's. They are aggressively kissing. Evie's nails digging into Nick's back. Nick is still choking her. Evie then pulls out his dick and starts stroking him. Nick slams Evie flat on her back onto the desk and starts groping her boobs. All the while, they continue shit-talking and dirty-talking. Kind of a hot mix of things. That's a common theme with their sexual encounters. Evie then tells Nick she wants him on his knees and to lick her pussy like a good pup. He obeys because he has been fantasizing about tasting her for a while now. And after she finally gets off, he slams inside of her and goes to town. Evie starts to caress his balls while he pounces into her, and they both finish. All the while, they're being recorded by Nick's little necklace camera thing. thing. Oh, he also, he also, this is another thing. This is why I I mentioned this particular scene as being my favorite, because Nick also spits in Evie's mouth. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I was like, am I into this? No. Yes. No. Wait. Hmm. No. Yes. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, the minute he like clears the desk of the money, I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. I love. And like also it coming from the scene where, I mean, Evie killed someone Mm -hmm. right before. And this is kind of Nick's first insight into this side of Evie. Yeah. So it's just like a lot of emotions and it was just really It was really well written. I liked it. I was here for it. Okay, so surprising, maybe. I don't know. Um, My favorite scene is when they fuck in the apartment alleyway. I was going to say, is it the one that involves the gun? Yes. (laughs) Like, I don't... Normally, those aren't my favorite, but this time... You were here for it. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So what happens is Nick tells Evie that the thought of doing dirty things to her in the alley is getting him hard. Oh, this is a yeah. good scene. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Okay, yeah. continue. Sorry. It's like coming back to me and I'm like, oh yeah. And he has her hands pinned above her head and he starts to slip the barrel of her gun like between her boobs and saying how he wants to titty fuck her. And he continues to trail the gun along her body and asks for her words, which is, you know, he wants poetry recited. 
And Evie starts to recite poetry, and he brings the gun along her clit and then inside her and, like, begins to fuck her with it. And while doing this, he lets Evie know they have an audience and, like, that anybody can see her and that there are people watching. And he starts to quote Emily Dickinson. Like, the, that's what Evie's reciting is, like, this Emily Dickinson poem. And then she's like, fuck, of course he knows Dickinson. <laughs> He's continuing to fuck her with the gun and like while Evie is close to orgasm they start taking turns like finishing the poem and then Evie says her orgasm is so intense that she blacks out and then it turned out that there was no one yeah in the so like the whole voyeurism thing was like a ruse and I was like oh that's kind like that's kind of good Evie was into it yeah like as soon as Nick's kind of like people can see you it was like she, she starts got getting, turned, yeah, yeah, she's, she's getting like, all hot and bothered by it. And then it was a lie. And she's like, fuck you. Yeah. But it was like, well, he, he, well, come on. he just did. Yeah, it worked though. <laughs> and then another thing I loved, I'm going to give an honorable mention because I got another titty fuck scene. You did. After they um, leave the gala on the boat and like go home, he like, they start tearing each other's clothes off. And what was nice about this is Evie is the one who initiated it. So she's like, titty fucking herself with his yeah isn't she like on her knees in front of him and she's like pushing her boobs together and kind of sliding spits on him man it's been a minute since we've read this with the holidays and everything we haven't recorded like right away like we normally do yeah so yes i'm like getting all these flashbacks of like this book was so smutty in the best ways hell yeah like i thought that this was so well done want to head right into our loves Loves and and hates So I think, obviously, I, I kind of just said how I loved that I got another titty fuck scene in a book because I've been wanting one. I got one with Twisted Hate. I got one here. It was great. And, you know, obviously, all the sexual tension, longing, pining, and hate pants was just fantastic. Oh, yes. I loved all the nods to The Wizard of Oz. I thought that they were great. Like, the flying monkey, um, the Emerald City concept – is yeah. like in Kinlan downtown, all of the windows or lights are green. Have like a green tint to them. And then like yellow brick strip club. And then. And like her cottage that she has, like the pathway leading to it is a yellow brick road. Yep. And then obviously you have your like crew. You have Dorothy. You have Evelina, who's like the wicked witch of mm-hmm. the West, essentially. Nicholas is the tin man. Um, Ezekiel's the lion. And then we think that her dad was the scarecrow yeah looking for brains because it kept it was hinted that like her how dad he's stupid yeah he wasn't smart like evie really was the brains behind how successful yeah. they and then like they were. nessa was the other witch that like the house lands on with the sparkly shoes and then the cody reveal which was one of my loves that i did not see coming they actually call him, like, the wizard mm-hmm. or something like that. And it should have clicked. Yeah, because he's, like, the tech guy. So he's, like, you know, the man behind the scenes, the man behind the curtain. And, like, the Wizard of Oz, the the wizard isn't necessarily a good character. No. He's kind of lying the whole time he's mm-hmm. in Oz. And then, like, the poppies, when, like, Dorothy falls asleep in the poppy field in yep. the movie, you know. The poppies are what make the drugs. And then the flying monkey nod. Mm-hmm. And Emily always does a good job of, of incorporating stuff from the fairy tales into the characters, into the plots, into the some of the just the commentary. Yeah, I should never doubt her. <laughs> no. I know. Why? Why? I know. And I liked the modern twist with this, how it's like brought into the 21st century. I love that our main lead, Evie, was a villain and psycho. Like psycho badass. And that the male lead, Nick, was also kind of a bad guy. Like, they were mutually bad. I put, for my loves, I said morally gray lead characters and the female is the ultimate baddie. Yeah. Like, I loved that too. Because you don't really read a lot of books where the female lead is almost as bad or worse than the male lead. Normally, Mm. it's the other way around. So, like, this was fun to read because I feel like Evie kind of corrupted Nick. I think that Nick had those, like, tendencies maybe buried. Yeah. But she really, like, brought out... His ruthless and dark... Because he's going to do anything for yeah. her. And I loved that dynamic. And then also kind of going off of that, I really loved the premise of this with him being an undercover 
DEA agent, and she's the daughter of the drug dealer or the drug lord that they're trying to take down. Like, I thought that that plot was really interesting and fun to read. It was. It was fun. And I liked that there was, like, this one part with Brayden when, um, or Nicholas, who whatever you want to call him. He's both. When he <laughs> is Brayden, and I think the reason why he when Evie tells him that she loves him for the first time, he doesn't say anything back because she goes, I love you, Brayden. And it was in his point of view. And I think I remember him being like, I want it to be like my real name. Yeah. Like I can't say it back because like. She doesn't know who I am. Yeah. Like Brayden, that's not my real name. Like I want her to say Nick. Yeah. And like, I like that too. I was just like, oh, I'm here for it. It was understandable, but like also a dick move. So I, I did I did love um, Nick and Evie's, like, shared love of poetry and, like, how that kind of kept coming. Popping up. Mm-hmm. And then also, <laughs> there was an earlier sex scene where he's quoting Shakespeare into her puss. And I was just, like, it was ridiculous and funny, but. Also kind of, like, here for it? Oh, <laughs> very much so. Like, if that happened to me in real life, I would be here for that. Yeah. And, like, I just think that the smut scenes in this book were just so great because, one, I feel like there were quite a bit of them. Two, I feel like they were really in-depth, but also they were also different. Mm -hmm. That you weren't getting, like, the same types of things. Like, everything incorporated something different. So, a funny love. And we didn't touch on this uh, in the plot recap, but I loved how Nick fucked his captain's daughter. Oh, yeah. And that very much gave me, like, 22 Jump Street moments. And then I also loved the Halloween flashback with Evie dressed up as a witch with, like, her face painted green. And Dorothy was, like, a fairy princess, a la Glenda, the good witch style. She came down in a bubble, dude. That was what it made (laughs) me think of. And that's exactly why I loved it. She's a princess. (laughs) You're going to sit there and tell me (laughs) that I'm wrong? Am I wrong? (laughs) Grow up. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's what it reminded me of, too. It was just so funny. Yeah, I like those kind of nods to, like, other pop culture things (laughs) that we've seen. It probably wasn't real nods, but just, like, yeah. reminding us of that. I don't know if it was intentional, but I kind of hope it was. I know. I love that. It's so funny. And then my last kind of love is um, I liked how that there were two epilogues. Mm-hmm. I like how the first epilogue was more so that first year leading up to, like, after Evie's kind of ran or whatever. But then we get that second epilogue that kind of shows them together and being happy and right because I think that if there was only the one epilogue I would have been a little disappointed because I'm pretty sure that one ends with them just like you know that they're okay with each other and yeah. like they're gonna be together but there's and it's, there's only, really, and it's really short too it's only like a couple pages yeah so I think that second epilogue which was like a year jump or however many years jump was really needed for sure because I was like Okay, this gives me some, like, peace of mind, and I'm okay with it now. Which kind of leads me into, like, my first hate, which is I hated how quick the ending played out. It was just too fast, and then, like, that abrupt stop with that first epilogue, if you don't get the extended one, it's just, like, okay, first of all, Dorothy was just killed by, like, a vat of acid. Like, that's really intense, and, like, the fuck is happening? Right. And then also I feel like... Not a whole lot played out with, like, the whole Nick killing Cody thing. And, like, just it all got wrapped up too quickly. Yeah. I think that what frustrated me about the ending is because I definitely agree with you that the ending was so fast. Because I want to say that this book, so say this book was 42 chapters. Chapter 40 is when Dorothy dies. Yeah. Which leaves you two chapters not including the epilogue to of tie all of this shit. Up. And it just like it frustrated me a lot because I loved this book. I thought the pacing and the plots were so great. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just like 
went from zero to a hundred and then you're just like off of the cliff. Yeah. It's like, like, whoa, whoa. How this book ended kind of reminds me of like those rides, like, you know, the tower rides where you like get up and you're waiting, waiting and it's just like a drop and then it's over. Yes. And also something that we did look into, this book was like a hundred page less, hundred pages less than Than the other two. two. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, if she just gave us like 50 more pages I think that she ending could have been flushed out. Yeah, more. it could have been a lot more of a gentler decline rather than a just like off the cliff. Yeah, straight down. Because that was a little disappointing. Because I was, I really liked it until that ninety percent mark. Like even maybe like ninety five. I know, and then it's just like whoa, okay. And then also like I think more so the Dorothy, her killing Dorothy. I knew that was going to happen from the get. I knew it eventually, like Dorothy was not making it out of this book alive. No. I knew that Dorothy was going to die and I was pretty confident that Skip was going to die as well, her dad. So like that didn't necessarily bother me as much as the Nick plot line. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, you're telling me that Cody didn't have, because Nick pretty much is just like, makes up this story about how, I think he like. It doesn't really get explained how that gets, like, it just, okay. He, yeah, he just, like, stumbled upon Cody and he was already dead. But then I'm kind of like, Cody was part of the FBI. Are you saying that he didn't have some kind of video recording device on him? Yeah. And like, I was just like, how do you just kind of... And, I mean, no one knew the extent, besides Seth, of how deep Nick was with Evie. Mm-hmm. And, like, Nick was one of the DEA's, like, this division in Chicago's, like, one of their best agents. agents. So maybe that was enough, but I still was like, I need a little bit. Yeah, needed a little bit like more. He didn't even get interrogated. I don't think. No, that it was, they like told it, us about. I think it was like a gloss over, just like how he like gave his statement, and they just kind of like took it as fact. There was no like fact checking, right? Which I'm okay with because first of all, this is made up, and I want him and Evie to be together. So I don't Obviously, want him to yeah. go to jail. And he also like saved her, so like whatever. But. It just kind of left me hanging a little bit too much. Yeah. For my liking. And then my, my, so mine, I only had two hates. The ending being very fast. And then I just wished it was longer. I wish that it, she did give us a, maybe like two or three more chapters. There's two more things I hated and then kind of two wishes. Okay. So my last hate is I hated how Nick was hired to be a jewel thief, but like he never had to steal any jewels. He only had to like, verify that a jewel is real or something and that was just to prove that he was who he said he was and that just felt flat to me so like why couldn't he have just been hired as like an enforcer right because that's kind of what he wound up doing yeah so i just the jewel thing didn't it was just kind of fell flat yeah didn't really wasn't necessarily needed yeah i feel that and i kind of wanted more with how nessa started the business Because that was the thing. Nessa was the one who kind of, like, got them into things and, like, got them established and, like, kind of successful. So I wanted more with that. And then, it like, during one of the arguments that Evie had with her dad, he alluded to, like, how Nessa, like, you know, wasn't as smart or as good as Evie, like, thought she was. So it's, like, I kind of wanted to be shown that side a bit more. I kind of wanted, you know, Nessa to be alive. That was one thing that going into it, because her body was never found. Yeah. And it was one of those mysteries where, like, no one really knew what exactly happened. Oh, that would have been dope if she came back. That's what I was thinking, that, like, she was just bidding her time and kind of whatever. Because her and Dorothy never, Dorothy didn't get along with any of them because Nessa was the favorite child. Until until she died. Until she died. And then Dorothy took over as being the favorite child. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that that would have been a really cool plot twist mm-hmm. if Nessa ended up being alive still. I also wish that Rose and Seth got together. That would be cute as well. I wish the mayor got taken down. I know he got he got to get away with like his Cause crimes. He was, he was also on the boat the night that Nessa died with. Dorothy. Yeah, it was his boat. It was his boat. And then like he was also corrupt along with oh, the commissioner, yeah. but they since they were like. Informants for the FBI, they got, like, immunity when everything went down. I do like that Evie had the dirt on the commissioner and the mayor that they were fucking. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, that is so funny. 
That was good. That was good. All right. Heading into our casting? Heck yes. Let's cast this. So funny. We actually casted the same... Evie. Evie. And I think it's so obvious who Evie needs to be in this. And that is... That is Miss Jenna Ortega, Wednesday Adams herself. It didn't help that we were both watching when, the Wednesday when we were reading this. And Evie just gives me Wednesday vibes. Just more actually like killer. Yeah. Because she actually kills people. Not just attempts it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jenna Ortega could fuck up Evie as a character. She's perfect. And her aesthetic. Like she is also kind of looks how... Evie's described yeah. and depicted in the book. 10 out of 10. I would definitely be here for that. Okay, who did you cast as your Nicholas slash Brayden? All right, I cast Paul Wesley from Vampire Diaries. That's a good one. Oh, that's a really good one. The person I casted kind of gives me similar vibes to that. I picked Brody Jenner. Mainly the hair. Yeah. Because Brayden, it was always mentioned that he had like really curly, curly. pretty Hair and Brody Jenner is just like a pretty boy. Who did you cast as your Nessa? So my Nessa, I chose Victoria um, Peretti from You. Yes. Okay. That's a good one. And I went with Aubrey Plaza as my Nessa. Oh my, I freaking love Aubrey Plaza. Me too. I mean, she's so cool. <laughs> and the Aubrey Plaza would be great if they actually, you know, gave Nessa more backstory and like better flashbacks and stuff with her. And that's another thing that I do wish we got going back to the hates. I do wish that we had more back flashes because we have some. Yeah. But I do wish that there were more kind of showing Nessa in like their childhood a little bit more. And especially like, you know, like I said, with how the whole Westerly crime organization came to be since she was the one who kind of made it. And like that's, profitable. And that's 50 pages right there. Yeah. That would be an easy way to fluff it up a little bit, you mm -hmm. know? All right. You're Dorothy. Who did you cast? Ariana Grande. That's a good one. I went Camilla Cabello. That's a good one, too. So I think we were kind of on the same track yeah. with our casting. Like, I feel like a lot of these people are very similar. Oh, for sure. Yes. And then who is your skip? My skip is, so his, it's funny because his name is, is Farrell. And I casted Colin Farrell. Oh, that delicious man. <laughs> he is delicious. Yeah. He's been like my celebrity like crush for freaking ever. Yeah. And like the gray like Fox vibes. And I could like see him playing drug lord. Oh, for sure. Type of vibe. Yeah. So my skip is Aiden Gillian from Game of Thrones. He plays Littlefinger. Yes. That's a good one too. And we know he can do the the evil evil shit. Yeah, Ezekiel, who did you cast as your cowardly lion? Domhnall Gleeson. He played Bill in the Harry Potter franchise. Yes, that's a good choice because he's like redheaded. Mm -hmm. That's how he's depicted him. Okay, and I went with Michael C. Hall, Dexter. Yes, the guy who plays Dexter. So I feel like very similar mm -hmm. vibes there as well. And then last but not least, our Cody, our Cody, our little Wizard of Oz. I chose Garrett Clayton. Um, he was like in a Disney Channel original movie, Teen Beach movie, and okay. in Hairspray Live. Oh, okay. Like the, you know. Broadcast Broadcast one? on TV one. Okay. And I went with Ben Platt. Good choice. As mine. That was pretty. I liked our casting. We cast a lot of characters for this book, but I felt like we had. Like we had to. I mean, you got to hit the Cowardly Lion, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, you know. Like, you have to hit the people of Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And that was everyone. Mm -hmm. So, like, we had to. But make sure to check that out on our Instagram if you want some more visuals or our TikTok, Emotions and Potions Pod. You can find us with that handle pretty much anywhere and everywhere. Hey, hey. All right. So now it's also time to do a soundtrack for this. <sighs> yes. Our actual playlist on Spotify is quite large. So, you know, here's kind of like a condensed version. And I have six songs for this episode. I have more than that. Ooh. <laughs> I have seven. So not, so not too you bad. You go first then. All right. So my overall song to sum up the book is Get Out Alive by 
Andrea Russett. So funny. I actually had that, and my theme was Evelina's theme song, specifically. So, okay. That was a really good song. Sums it up really well. And my song for Evelina's soundtrack, and it's bonus, it's all, this, this song is also very much Wizard of Oz themed. And it's Wrong Bitch, the extended mix by Todrick Hall and Bob the Drag Queen. Yes. I listened to that one actually on the way here. I like, yeah, that's a really good one. So my next kind of theme topic is Nicholas and Evelina's songs or song to each other. Mm-hmm. which is Week When You're Around by Black Bear. I actually was just like listening randomly to music and this song came on and I was just like, oh my God, this sums up how they feel about each other so, so well. I was just like, you know when you find that song where you're just like, wow. Mm-hmm. That was, I had one of those moments. So my next pick is um, a song for Evelina's revenge on her family and like finally freeing herself of like, that familial tie burden and it's rest in peace by Dorothy. That's a good one too. And it's fun that the singer is Dorothy, Dorothy, the artist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My next song choice is Nicholas slash Brayden and Evelina's relationship song, which is toxic by stupid hobby. Yep. Just very toxic. Heck yes. Yeah. Until that extended epilogue. And then it's like beautiful and and sweet. They're just like normal people. (laughs) (laughs) So my next choice is a song for Nicholas when his lies start to get exposed. And it's Beautiful Liar by Beyonce and Shakira. Love that. That's good. That's a good theme too. My next one is Wizard of Oz theme song. Kind of to incorporate that. Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Jewel. Yeah. Straight to the point. You, I feel like you have to have kind of a... You got to throw in Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Yes. My next one is a song for the portrayal by Cody and Ezekiel. Ooh. And that's Fake Friend by Nothing Nowhere. Ooh, good one. You have good themes. I always say this. I always <laughs> say you come up with the best themes. Mine is... My next one is Evelina's song towards Dorothy after ending her. And it's R-I-F-P by Mothica. Yes. (laughs) I freaking love that song. It's really good. And like the vibe of it gives me very like dark romance. Because Mothica is kind of more darker music. Like Mm -hmm. the instrumentals and stuff. Yeah. We feature that band a lot on our playlist. Well, we read a lot of dark (laughs) romances. You're not wrong. My next song is a song for Dorothy and her, like, delusions of, like, you know, being the favorite. And She was very delusional. <laughs> and that's Rich Bitch by Rosé. Okay. I was wondering because I Why saw, I put that song I on saw there. a lot, like, you put Gwen Stefani, Rich Girls. There were a few kind of, like... Those were my Dorothy songs. Yes. And now it makes sense as to, like, what you were thinking. Because I kind of was like, don't get me wrong, I like those songs, but I kind of was like, I wonder how Alex is like thinking about how these tie, but that makes sense that it's more like Dorothy. Because she was like a pretty big character in this book. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're not wrong. So I wanted her to have some songs. No, I appreciate that. And my last category is Sexy Time Song for Evelina Nicholas, yeah. which is Make It Naked by Dylan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no denying that. Right. My last song category is a song for when Nick looks or even thinks about Evie. Oh, gosh. Okay. And it's Power Over Me by Dermot Kennedy. I like that one. That was one you put on there. Yeah. And I was listening to it, and I was like, this is Nick's song for Evie. This is Nick's song for Evie. And like Alex said, if you want to listen to our full soundtrack, our full playlist, head over to Spotify, Emotions and Potions Pod. Pod. And... That playlist has like 70 to 80 songs. So it'll definitely get you in the mindset of Reggie. Yeah. All right. We have one, well, technically two final things. But they go together. But they go together. So our final ratings. Overall, I gave this book an 8.5 out of 10. What about you? I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. The ending just really kind of 
knocked it over. I know. For me. I, it's still so good. And that's where I'm torn because, yes, the last, the ending of the book was kind of a letdown just with how fast it kind of wraps up. But I was so into this book up until that point. And I'm just like, I still like, I can't, I still think it's a fantastic. Oh, it's fantastic. It's so great. But I under, I also understand where you're coming from. And I feel like you are a little bit stricter with your ratings. Like if you, if it's, something really drives you crazy, like you're going to deduct <laughs> points. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm going to be harsher like, on that. Oh, I still but I had it. a good time. So it's like. <laughs> right. <laughs> 7.5, 8.5, I think that range is, like, exactly where this book kind of falls. Yeah. So I think that's a good kind of... And so we could say 8. Exactly. You know, put it in the middle. Yeah. And it's funny. I think I'm more critical about, like, the overall plot stuff, and I feel like you're more critical about this next rating, which is the spice. Yeah. So. And I ended up giving this a 4.5 out of 5. I did, I did rank this one a little bit higher. I'm going to agree. 4.5. When I was reading it, it was smutty and, like, very graphic and a lot of things going on. So I just, yeah, I do think that this one deserves a higher. It's funny. I wrote down four, but then when we started, like, talking about the smutty scenes and kind of, like, remembering them all, I'm like, oh, no, no. It's a, it's a four or five. It's a 4.5. It's not just a four. Yeah. This one's kind of, this is, like, advanced yeah. smut. And I guess that just leaves us with our overall letter reveal. Yes. And I think it's clear for me. I think it's clear for me. I yeah. hope it is. I think we're both giving it a love. Oh, heck yeah. It's a love. Yeah. It uh, is a love letter to Miss Emily McIntyre. And a love to the series. I will yes. say so far, this is my least favorite out of the three because of the ending. But it's still freaking fantastic. No, it's really. And it, it's. Like you said, it still holds up against the other two, and it also makes me excited for the fourth one yeah. that's coming out. Because I'll be interested to see if that follows more of this trajectory or, like, Hooked and Scarred. Mm -hmm. We'll see. It's not out yet, so. I pre-ordered it. Oh, you did? I did. Yeah, that one should be dropping sometime soon. That's exciting. Yes. But please make sure you follow, subscribe. Tweet us, or not tweet us, we don't no, have Twitter. No. Instagram, DM us. <laughs> We're on TikTok. We're on Spotify, Emotions and Potions. Let us know. Yeah, rate the podcast, leave us a review. Um, we're also on YouTube. Oh, we are on YouTube. That's a new Subscribe thing. over there. And let us know what you want to hear this season. We're still very early in what we're doing for content. So yep. we are open to suggestions. We, we definitely have a lineup, but like we left room for some suggestions and, you know, move things around. What have you? Yeah. But that is Wretched by Emily McIntyre. Emotions, potions, a love-hate letter to it. And it was a freaking love. It was a freaking love letter from <laughs> both of your hosts, Ashton. And Alex. And until next time. Bye. bye.